Pastor Josh, our lead pastor, he's off in Iowa on vacation, which some of you might find curious, that for vacation, he's riding his bike across this great state of Iowa. So 86 miles, keep him in your prayers. Great to see everybody today. Great to see all of you online. My opening story is about a guy named Daryl Davis, that black man there standing next to an infamous character of the, uh, the infamous uh, Ku Klux Klan, the racist organization. But contrary to what we've seen so often in the past few years, Daryl Davis, so he, it's kind of a tough picture. Maybe you could, have, he, he's, you could get a TED Talk, you could Google him, but he has sat down and had conversations and just by befriending and agreeing and disagreeing with members of the KKK, he's got about 100 robes that they've given to him as they've walked away from the KKK. And his, the very first guy who ever gave him a, a robe, they were driving along, he was taking them out to eat just by getting to know these people, like, what do you find in me so offensive about being a black man? And so he's taking along a leader in the KKK when the, the, uh, the exalted Cyclops, I guess Cyclops is a, a high level KKK guy says, well, we all know that all black people have within them a gene that makes them violent. And, and Daryl turned to the guy and said, wait a minute. I'm as black as anybody you've ever seen. I've never done a carjacking or a drive-by shooting. How do you explain that? The KKK guy said, your gene is inactive. It hasn't come out yet. Daryl thought for a moment and he said, well, we all know that all white people have a gene within them that makes them a serial killer. KK guy says, what do you mean? And Daryl said, well, name me three black serial killers. Man thought about it. He couldn't come up with one. Daryl said, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, Charles Manson, John Gacy, all whites. You, son, are a serial killer. Man said, Daryl, I've never killed anybody. Daryl said, your gene is inactive. It hasn't come out yet. About five months later, that man gave him his Ku Klux Klan robe. My verse today is whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love. And I don't know if Daryl Davis is a follower of Jesus, but the way that he led these KKK guys away is just by sitting down, no screaming or yelling or outrage, but just talking to them. And as they built these friendships, Daryl said, I didn't convert anybody. They just, through a process of just getting to know and becoming friends, these guys decided that what they were doing was all wrong and sinful and walked away. So we're preaching through Proverbs this summer. This is one of my personal favorites. It's an easy one to, to memorize. I'm using the New Living Translation this morning. Normally we use the ESV. And it says, whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. This Bible verse I love. It's just kind of a simple directive. You can adopt it as a life verse, a goal, a direction, an aim, a pursuit. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us from your living word. 
that you'd open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to understand, to believe, to embrace. Um, move us toward yourself. Set us free. Um, we thank you that you're the living God. You're God of all grace and you speak to us. And we just pray that you would be with each one of us. You know each one of us in this room. You know our situations. You know who we are. Draw us closer to yourself. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So starting off, what we pursue determines so much um, about our lives. What we pursue. So starting off the very first word in Proverbs 21, 21, whoever. Let's not look past it. It, it says, whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love. And so before we go any further, just be aware that this is for everybody. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for, for elders or Sunday school teachers. It's not for those who have their life right. Whoever means you. You can pursue righteousness. You are encouraged to pursue unfailing love. It's for you. Whether this weekend was a hard weekend for you, whether you feel unworthy to be here, or whether you feel right with God today, whether you're not a Christian yet, whether you've been following Jesus for 60 years, this verse is for you. It's our aim. It's our directive. It's our goal. It's, it's, a, it's on the horizon for us to pursue, for us to chase. It doesn't matter your circle of friends. doesn't matter your IQ. doesn't matter your, your salary. doesn't matter what you do for a living. This verse is for all of us. It's a green light for you. Second word, whoever pursues. What do we mean by pursue? Well, the word pursue is about energy. It's about determination. When you talk about you're pursuing something, it's not something that you need to be reminded of. It's not something that you're going to forget. This this word shows up in the Old Testament connected with Pharaoh, when Pharaoh is pursuing the Israelite army. If you know the story, the nation of Israel is in bondage. They're the slaves to the nation of Egypt. And through a series of plagues, Pharaoh finally says, get out of here. And as his whole economy collapses and, and he, his million person slave force departs, he suddenly realizes, wait a second, wait a moment. Let's get the troops. Let's muster the chariots. Let's get them, track them down, defeat them, and enslave them again with great energy. No one had to say, hey, Pharaoh, um, maybe you should go. Have you forgotten about the Israelite nation? Um, Maybe you should put that down and uh, maybe we should get busy chasing, pursuing the Israelites. I would suggest that a lot of times you, you and I, we have a couple of different categories that we, we place all our, our priorities in. There's a category of our pursuits, which we never forget. We never need a reminder. It's in our heart. It's in our emotions. It's our passions. It's the things that we love. It's the things that we're dedicated to. Then there are those, that, that other category, that's the one that you need to set the alarm for, uh, write it down on a piece of paper, make careful notes. Uh, hey, would you remind me so I don't forget that? There's that other category. And I think when it came to Pharaoh, he didn't need reminded that he needed to track down the Israelite nation. For me, personally, October 1st will be the beginning of bow hunting season in the great state of Indiana, that's not something that I'm going to forget. You would not hear in my household 
in mid-October, my wife suddenly saying like, hey, Dave, did you know you could go hunting today? Or Dave, you know, I really think you should, you should go hunting. And you would never hear me reply, you know, you're right. I forgot that it was hunting season. I really should go hunting. I really need to go hunting. If that ever happened, my wife would be calling the police. She'd be like, what have you done with my husband? That's just not going to happen. I'm not going to forget about it because it's something that I pursue. And Jesus is far more important to me than hunting. And so when it's talking about pursuing righteousness, it's saying like not something that, hey, did you remember to pursue righteousness? Did you remember to pursue unfailing love? The encouragement is that this is a life pursuit. It's not a material thing, but it's a pursuit. It's a passion. It's always in front of us. It's, it's the big picture. It's something I, I want to hunt. I want to chase. I want to run after. And not just one time. Can you imagine if you met someone and you say, hey, what do you like to do? And the person said to you, I'm a fisherman. Oh, yeah, you're a fisherman. Have you been fishing recently? No, but you're a fisherman, but you haven't been fishing recently? Yeah, I'm a fisherman. Well, how, how do you consider yourself a fisherman? Well, when I was about nine years old, my parents took me fishing. And I'll never forget it. I, caught, I put my, my line in the water. I caught a six-inch bluegill. And I accidentally fell in the water, I mean, fully submerged in the water, and I'm a fisherman. But you never fished since? No. But you're still a fisherman? Yeah, I'm a fisherman. There was that one time that I went when I was nine years old and I, and I caught a fish. And we need to always be careful that we never look at our faith like that. That we, well, we, you know, when I was nine years old, I, I prayed a prayer and asked Jesus to come into my heart. And that is important, that we, we receive Christ as our Savior. But it's a pursuit. It's always a chasing of Jesus. That's only the beginning of the joy, the beginning of the freedom, the beginning of the freedom that we find in Jesus Christ. That's a lifelong pursuit. If you love fishing, why would you want to catch one fish and walk away? You're hooked for life. And if we meet Jesus, why would we ever want to stop pursuing him and chasing him? It's pursuing him. Coming back to verse 2121. Whoever pursues righteousness, big fancy word, perhaps an intimidating, like it's, it's way beyond me type word, righteousness, certainly not me today. I looked about, I studied righteousness in preparation for this message and I really liked what this one author talked about is righteousness being the fulfillment of the expectations in any relationship the fulfillment of the expectations, the, the responsibilities of having, it, whether it's ethics or morality, of the fulfillment of those expectations, with, whether it's with God or whether it's person to person. A wedding vow would be the, the, the most simple expectation of a, of a covenant, of a relationship, and of an agreement, where you say, for richer or poor, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, I will be faithful. We will be together. We will not be divorced. We will, we will remain true to one another. In small ways, it might be, hey, can I borrow $20 and I'll pay you back? Or hey, can, can I borrow that from you? I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll never forget, we had just gotten some brand new luggage and someone asked us to, to borrow that luggage on a, on a missions trip. 
And they brought it back and it looked like it had been on a missions trip. And it was beaten and battered. And you know, I was a little bit taken back that they didn't offer to at least help us get something new. When I, when I, when I damage something, I wanna, it's part of maybe a small part of righteousness that we, we fix something if we break something. If we say that we're gonna pay someone back, that we pay someone back, whether it's taxes or bills, that we fulfill our expectations. And God on his part perfectly fulfills our expectations. He made us, he created us one time. And when we fell into sin, he sent his one and only son to die for our sins. He exceeds our expectations in his faithfulness, his grace, his mercy, his working all things together for good. In our relationship with God, he exceeds all our expectations. We cannot fathom. He is above and beyond his grace, his mercy. He forgives the stuff that we're even unaware of. He forgives us. He receives us. He has chosen us. He sets his love upon you. He is perfectly faithful, perfectly righteous, perfectly fair, perfectly gracious in his relationship toward you. And for us, we will never be perfect in his calling on us. But yet we pursue him as the expectations, as when he calls us, when we see a command in the Bible, when we see that God calls us to pursue honesty and righteousness and patience, we pursue it because we love him. Righteousness, it, it plays into everything, whether we're at work, working in the factory, and the, and the line's about to roll, and we've not gotten our job done, and we say, well, someone down the line, they'll fix what I didn't do properly. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is saying, hey, boss, uh, I'm going to have to roll into the next station to do, do what is right. A customer comes back and says, hey, this, this was obviously got a defect in it. And righteousness is not saying, well, are you sure you didn't drop it? Or, or wait, someone else uh, made that problem. What about righteousness when that customer calls or a client that, oh, you so much do not want to talk to that guy or that woman. Righteousness would be picking up, well, the product's not done yet. We've not finished the project yet, even though it's hard. What about what we watch on TV or movies or songs in our relationship with the Lord, social media and the things that we say Righteousness is this big, how we play into, how, how does God, how can I keep my relationship with him strong and fresh and living with what I'm watching or what I'm listening to? We pursue righteousness. A few examples from our book of Proverbs this summer. 15.4 says this, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Perverseness, dirty jokes, yelling, screaming, Break down the spirit. But a gentle tongue is a tree of life. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. The tongue is an instrument of righteousness or an instrument of unrighteousness. Who wants to work all day with constant foulness or slandering or gossip or criticism? Who wants to be around that? It breaks the spirit. But a gentle tongue 
gently leading, gently encouraging, gently directing, is a tree of life. Proverbs 14:21 says, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. We look out the window, and we can see our neighbors, and we can think such thoughts as, can't believe they're their lawn looks that bad, or I can't believe they, they bought that, or I can't believe this or that, or look at them. It's so easy. You could look out your window and look at your neighbor and immediately be critical and judging and ungenerous, ungenerous with your, your money, ungenerous with your thoughts, ungenerous, a total lack of love toward them, a critical spirit. But Proverbs 14, 21 says, but blessed blessed by God, is he who looks, or she who looks out their window and sees their neighbor and prays for them and perhaps is generous with, hey, you could borrow a tool, um, perhaps generous financially, generous with their thoughts, generous with their, their opinions, generous with, maybe they, they just need help or maybe I can, or just generous with your time just to talk to them and have a pleasant, encouraging conversation with them. Blessed are those who are generous. Pursuing righteousness means that we're generous in so many ways with our neighbors, with those around us. Proverbs 17.9 says this, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Whoever, again, this is open for anyone, anyone can do this, whoever covers an offense, whether meaning who, it's, it's an irritation. It wasn't necessarily a sin who, well, I'm just gonna let that slide or I'm gonna pull them aside privately and just have a, a gentle conversation with them or forgives, covering could mean forgive, who forgives is seeking love. You know what I want in this relationship? I, I want it to turn out well. I want it to be about love. I wanna have a good, strong, loving relationship with this person. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. I'm just so angry. Instead of talking to them privately, I'm going to go talk to these other six people. I'm going to talk to these dozen people so I can vent and they can know what a jerk he or she is instead of going privately. Or I'm going to keep bringing it up to that person just so they know what they did hurt me so bad. Maybe they don't know. Maybe I need to, I, I want to tell them again. Just so they know that I'm right. Just so everyone can know that I'm right. I value being right way more than the relationship. We're pursuing righteousness means that we value love. We value the relationship far more than, than being right. God of grace. Proverbs 11.1. 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. God hates corrupt business practices. God hates ripoffs, gouging prices, unfair business practices, dishonest business. But God loves honesty and truth in business. Let's see if we can raise the price way high and still get, get it. Money is king in our culture. Bragging about 
I charged this and I got it. Yes. But God loves a fair, honest deal. God loves integrity in business. God loves an honest price. Proverbs 11, 5, 6. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. This morning we're talking about whoever pursues, pursues righteousness, pursues doing what is right, stays free, grows in freedom, is delivered from being uh, addicted or enslaved to sin. Righteousness, pursuing it automatically delivers us and keeps us free, keeps our consciences clean. Long time ago, I just, uh, I was coming home from college. I had recently rediscovered Jesus. I had just given my life to him. I had rededicated my life to Jesus. Um, I was finding freedom and joy in my new relationship with Christ and, and wanted to share him with my old high school buddies. And, and one of them invited me. Uh, he was having a party. His parents were gone and um, seven or eight guys. And he had a brother and he invited seven or eight guys. So there's 15 or 16 of us sitting around a room when one of his brother's friends brought a bad movie in, popped it in the VHS, if you remember what that is, and it started rolling. I was like, oh no, what do I do? The expectation of the 15, 16 guys in that room was that we are going to indulge in lust, in gratification. And I knew the expectation from the Lord was that I would not participate in that, that I would do something to stop that. And I'm sure the first time I said, I probably sounded like a mouse. I was so scared and it felt so awkward and I was so embarrassed. But like, stop or I'm leaving. But I think by the third time I'd found, I was fully committed and I'd found my voice that stop the movie or I'm leaving. And it was awkward. And it was just 10, 11 on a scale of awkward. And they stopped the movie. And it was so awkward. And I left with a clean conscience and with joy. And along, looking back, and that I'm so thankful that pursuing righteousness helped me speak up and get out of there with my relationship with God unharmed. And that we can pursue righteousness and that God gives us grace and courage to stand for righteousness. We make decisions that we want people to be happy with us and just fit in. Or are we more concerned about escaping from guilt and not having to deal with that, even though God does forgive us? Proverbs 59 says, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. God loves it when we pursue righteousness. God cheers for us. Even when people don't understand, even when people might boo, when people won't cheer you, God is cheering for you. And it's him that we're going to stand before one day. It's him that we live before. God loves us when we pursue righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst 
for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Aren't you hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for honesty? It's so rare these days. And we have to push back that righteousness is not staleness. Righteousness is not boring. It's not joyless unhappiness. Talk to the person on the morning after, after they've been slammed. Come on, is that really life? Is that really joy? We all know it's not. Anyone, whoever pursues it. Remember when I was a youth pastor, talking to a young man who was just struggling so much with peer pressure and just you know, kept tripping up with, with the crowd he was in, just was having such a hard time living for Jesus and kept getting swept up. And I said, what about Jerry? This other boy in our youth group who was, was living for Jesus. And he looked at me, he shook his head like I didn't know what I was talking about. He said, but Jerry's a super Christian. Didn't I know that? But Jerry's a super Christian. And I think we can all do that. Well, pastors can do that or elders or he or she, I mean, they can pursue righteousness, but there's some reason we have in our mind that, well, I stumbled once really bad or I did this. So that, that pursuit of righteousness, it, yeah, it's for some Christians, but I can't. That's not true. Every single one of us, every single one of us, it's, it can start today. Jesus is always about today. Today seek me, today. Wherever you are at with God, today take a step toward him. Today put your feet on the path of pursuing righteousness. That's the good news of the gospel. It's not about being a super Christian. We can all follow. We can all pursue it. Pursuing righteousness and unfailing love. Now, this is a curious word. It's the main word for love in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament. It's used somewhere in the vicinity of 250 times. I chose the NLT today. I liked the, the concept of unfailing love. Other translations will talk about steadfast love. It, it will even be translated sometimes loyalty, uh, mercy, kindness. And before we go any further, let's talk about love. What do we mean by love? Talk about a word that gets thrown around and used in so many different ways, and we never even realize that. I think our definitions of love are different here. What does the pop star mean when she's singing about love? What does the guy who's say, who says, I love tacos, what does he mean by love? What does the guy at the end of the first date means at the end of the night when he leans down and says, I love you, and tries to kiss her? What does God mean when he says, I love you? These are all different ways of, of, of using the word love. A lot of times people are using the word love because they want something. They want to take something. They want their own pleasures. They want you to go along with it. It's self-centered. It's selfish. But when God says love, it's other-centered. When God says, I love you, it's, it's commitment. When God says, I love you, it's loyalty. When God says, 
I love you, I will be with you. In 2 Timothy, there's that, there's that verse where, where it says, if God is faithful, and even if we are faithless, he is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. God just simply can't stop being God. Meaning that even when we fail, we fall short, he's still faithful because that's who he is. He can't stop being God. He's always faithful. It says this in, in Psalms 86.5, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding, meaning limitless, overflowing in steadfast love to all who call upon you. That's the ESV version. It's who God is. Proverbs 19.22 says this, what is desired in a man is steadfast love. What's, what's desirable in a person is to be unflinchingly loyal, to be steadfast in love. In the NLT in Proverbs 3, it says this, never let loyalty, same word as loving kindness or unfailing love, same word, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. You and I, God calls us to chase after, to pursue unfailing, steadfast, loyal love, even when those around us don't return it. Because that's what Jesus did for us. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, everyone deserted him. Not one person was there. They were all at a distance or running or hiding. And that story is that if you and I were there, we wouldn't be there. We would have, we would have deserted him too. But in the face of everyone leaving him, he remained steadfast to you and me. He stayed on the cross with his unfailing love. It means it's going to take some time. It's not something we do overnight, and it takes a relationship. We live out our unfailing love in our relationships with those we like, with those we don't like, with family members, with coworkers, with neighbors. Those are opportunities. God has sovereignly put those people in our lives, our family members, our coworkers, our neighbors. They're not there by accident. They're for us to grow in unfailing love. They're for us to learn about loyalty, even when it's not. And it doesn't mean that we don't have hard conversations. It doesn't mean that you might have to fire someone or have a difficult conversation. It just means how we go about it with a gentle tongue. We pursue unfailing love and we pursue righteousness. What we pursue determines who we become. What we pursue determines who we become. As we pursue righteousness, as we pursue unf unfailing love, we become a certain type of person. And we find certain things. We discover certain things. A person of life. We become a person of life. What do we mean by life? I think you could, you could see it in a person's eyes. When they've got a, a purpose in life, when their head is on right, and it doesn't mean we're not going to have trials, but that we found something worth living for that there's energy, that there's enthusiasm, that there's joy, that we have found something in Jesus. It's called life. It says this in, in Proverbs 12, 28, in the path of righteousness is life. We pursue 
righteousness, we find, we discover life. And in its pathway, there is no death. It means when we, we pursue righteousness, we become alive, that we're no longer dead in our spirits. We, we no longer are, have, have a, a meaningless life, that we found something worth living for that's going to matter in 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, the pursuit of righteousness, the pursuit of unfailing love. Proverbs eleven nineteen says this, whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, will experience life. But he who pursues evil will die. Proverbs 4.22 says, For they, speaking of the commands, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And so we see that pursuing righteousness, pursuing un unfailing love, even has benefit to your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health. It pays off. Jesus says this in Matthew 16. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In pursuing Christ and laying down our life for him, we find real life. The reward for pursuing righteousness and unfailing love is life. And it's open, it's, it's an invitation to all of us to find greater and greater life. We find life and we find righteousness. We become a person of righteousness. By pursuing righteousness, you gain righteousness. By God's grace and by his power, you become a person who keeps promises, who, who lives in integrity, who does the right thing even when it's the hard thing to do, who has a difficult conversation when it has to be had with a gentle tongue. But who can do all these things perfectly? The pursuit of righteousness will lead us to say, well, my I won't ever claim to have a perfect batting, batting average. The Bible also says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we're reminded in 1 John that if we claim to have no sin, we're not telling the truth. And so the pursuit of righteousness is also the pursuit of Jesus. Chasing after righteousness must always be the pursuit of Jesus because none of us will ever be perfect. We're always in process, every single one of us. Doesn't matter if we've become a Christian a year ago or 60 years ago, we're always in process. Pursuing righteousness is pursuing Jesus, the continual stream of him. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, meaning God the Father made Jesus the Son to be our sin. Jesus became your sin. That's the good news. He became my sin. He became your sin, and he took your place on the cross so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, so that when God looks at you and you say, well, I'm... I'm imperfect. Oh, I can maybe hide my impure thoughts from people, but God saw that. I might hide my impure actions from, from others, but God sees that. Yes, he does. But if you've claimed Jesus as your savior, he sees Jesus through you. 
And he says, you are my righteous daughter. You are my righteous son. And I love you unfailingly, faithful. A person of life, a person of righteousness, a person of honor. Whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love discovers life, discovers righteousness, discovers honor. This word is also used many times in Exodus when talking about God and his brilliance, and it's often his glory. It's often translated in that book, the Bible, the word glory. And so it says when we pursue righteousness and unfailing love, there's a sense of honor, a sense of glory, a difference, a shining, a brightness about us as we pursue righteousness. Paul, the Apostle Paul says in another Bible verse that you appear as lights in the world in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, that you shine, there's something different. When you say, for example, Proverbs 15, 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. When you display a gentle tongue in the United States in 2021, there's a certain radiance, a glory, an honor. There's a whole lot of shouting and yelling and outrage, isn't there? It's a gentle tongue. In Proverbs 14, 21 again, but blessed is he or she who is generous. When we're generous, whether it's with our money, our things, yes, you can borrow that. Yes, you can have that. When we're generous with our words, our time, our love, our thoughts, there's, there's a radiance, there's a, an honor, a glory about that. Proverbs 17, nine, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Forgiveness, grudges, bitterness, Hey, do you know what that person did to me? Can I tell you what they did to me? There's no glory or radiance or honor in that. The glory and the honor is in, I'm gonna lay that aside. The glory and the honor is, I'm just gonna pull them aside one-to-one and and have a, a gentle, perhaps difficult conversation. There's glory and forgiveness. Sure, they didn't deserve it, but I, I didn't deserve for Jesus to forgive me either person of honor, person of righteousness, a person of life. Our, our lives ultimately point to, to God's honor, to God's glory, as we forgive or have a gentle tongue or are, are generous to those around us. Let's pray. Before I lead us in prayer, I just want to give you a moment. And I'm going to ask the question, what are you pursuing What are you pursuing? And is that bring, are you finding life and righteousness and glory in that? If you are a follower of Jesus, God calls you to pursue, chase, hunt for righteousness, for unfailing love in your relationship with him and your relationship with others. Take a moment right now. Perhaps the Lord has spoken to you about a book you borrowed you haven't returned or a tool 
or money or something at work. Or maybe your relationship with your neighbor. But just take a moment right now, just bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. I want to pursue you today. I want to pursue righteousness. I want to pursue unfailing love. Just take a moment to pray right now yourself. Perhaps just honestly, you're thinking this morning, I'm too far gone. My life is too messy. It's been too, it's just inconceivable. But I want to encourage you, I want to speak, if that's you today, that the Lord knows. The Lord says, I'm here. And my grace is greater than all that messiness in your life. Just come to me. I forgive you. Just bring it, bring your mess to the Lord today. If you got no desire, just say, Lord, I got no desire really to pursue you. Just give me that desire. That's a good prayer. Maybe your prayer today is, Jesus, give me a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Make that your prayer. Jesus, let us be those who, who just pursue righteousness, who pursue you and the joy and the life that is found in you. Lord, help us be those who pursue unfailing love. Even if no one else seems to be pursuing that, Lord, help us to pursue that unfailing love that you show toward us. And Lord, may we find life and righteousness and honor as you promised, Lord. We thank you that we do find life and righteousness and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.